we got a real simple plan. One man, one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. You're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day Podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, here's Reese Davis. Tragic decisions and what are the appropriate consequences for Alabama star basketball player Brandon Miller? This is the College Game Day Podcast for Wednesday, February 22nd, Reese Davis and Pete Thamel here. As most of you know, Alabama star player Brandon Miller, uh, yesterday it was revealed in a court hearing that he was driving a car that carried a gun belonging to now former player Darius Miles, who stands charged with murder along with another accomplice who is said to have been the man who pulled the trigger. As a result of some of the findings of that preliminary hearing, in the state of Alabama yesterday, there have been calls and questions about why Brandon Miller has been playing and whether he should continue to play and be an active member of the Crimson Tide basketball team within the last hour or so as we speak here, which is a little before five o'clock Eastern time. Brandon Miller's attorneys have released a statement in which they say that Miller did not realize that there was a gun in the car and that he arrived Uh, just moments before the shooting began and was not uh, as involved as perhaps some of those text messages might have indicated. Um, At least that is the statement coming from Brandon Miller's legal team. Joining us now on the College Game Day podcast is Greg Byrne, the athletic director at Alabama. Uh, Greg, let's start with this. What is Brandon Miller's status with the basketball team at this moment? He is in uh, South Carolina with our team. Uh, He went through walkthrough today and we expect him to play this evening. What led you to allow him to continue to play, given some of the things that were revealed in the preliminary hearing yesterday involving uh, the tragic murder of of Jamia Harris? If it's okay, Reese and Pete, I'd like to just kind of give some background and be able to answer that question at, at the same time, if you're all okay with that. Sure. So, you know, obviously want to update everybody uh, and appreciate the opportunity to, to be with you all today and try to address some of the narratives that are floating around. I'm not sure if I can provide all the information that everybody wants, because quite frankly, I don't know all the information, but I can share with you what I know. And I think that's important to do it. First and foremost, like you mentioned, Jamia, a young mother to a five-year-old son, lost her life. It's awful. It's a tragic situation. We continue to pray for her family, especially Kane, as he grows up without his mother. I know nobody wants that to be lost in what we're talking about here. Now, as a department, we stress to our coaches and staff regularly throughout the year that we're reporters. We're not that we and that we cooperate. We don't try to do the job of investigators. We are not investigators, whether that's a legal issue, whether that's a Title IX issue. We let the experts do their jobs. To that end, from the very first phone call early on that Sunday morning, the university and athletic department's primary objective has been to fully cooperate with law enforcement in this situation. The objective was stressed multiple times to every member of our basketball coaching staff and the team from the very beginning. 
I have personally heard Nate Oates remind the team multiple times. I have reminded the team. Our role in a criminal investigation is to support law enforcement, not to conduct our own investigation, and not to interfere with their efforts. Although we're not investigators, we do have a duty to evaluate whether anyone involved in our program has violated the rules, policies, or standards of the university. We make that evaluation based on facts. We found out some new facts yesterday. We found out some new facts today. Here's what we know. Brandon Miller was not there for the verbal altercation. Brandon was already on his way to pick up Darius when Darius texted him. Brandon never left his vehicle and was not involved in the collection of the weapon. The shooting occurred just seconds after Brandon arrived. Brandon has been fully cooperating witness and is not a suspect. Yesterday, we began to hear some new things from the hearing. And Coach Oates had just come out of practice and did not have the information from the hearing when he was talking with the media directly after practice. He did not handle that in a way that he should have. We've addressed that with him. So, and with that, Coach Oates only has so much information as well. Only law enforcement knows all the facts of the situation. The rest of us are still learning things. Given the gravity of the situation and out of respect for the judicial, judicial process, I'd urge everyone to defer to the facts provided by law enforcement rather than relying necessarily on social media or other snippets of information that lack context to form conclusions. We need to let law enforcement, the attorneys, the district attorney, and the judge to do their jobs. We very much respect the jobs they have to do. We will too will continue to rely on official information provided by law enforcement and will continue to keep Jamea's family and our thoughts and prayers above all else. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about those things. Uh, Greg, you mentioned new information that you gleaned from the hearing. What information specifically was that and what impact did it have on your thinking about Brandon Miller continuing to play, as you said, you expect him to against South Carolina and, and going forward? So what, the new information that we learned yesterday was there had been some text messages exchanged with, with Brandon and Darius. And that information was news to me. I had not been told that before. And so that was that information. And then uh, we were able to receive some information since then about, about the text exchange that has not been out there publicly. For instance, Darius had been asking Brandon to come pick him up for close to an hour. He was his ride that evening. Brandon was already on his way to pick up Darius when he received the text message from him that was reported in the media yesterday. I didn't know that yesterday. I didn't, I, I found that out today. Is it your is it your assumption then that Brandon Miller did not read that text message uh, before? And if so, why do you why are you secure in that belief? I I didn't say that he didn't read it before. I would what I said was that he had uh, received text messages from Darius over the course of an hour to ask him to come pick him up, and the, but the text message that was was released yesterday was sent when Brandon was on his way to pick him up, and it was already almost there. 
So, Greg, if I can intimate here, you're saying he was simply going to pick him up. He was not going to deliver the gun. He was he was going to pick him up. Um, Darius had been asking Brandon for over an hour to come pick him up. In the attorney statement, if I might follow on Pete's, uh, Brandon Miller's attorney issued a statement that uh, Pete and I just read recently uh, outlining some outlining some of these things. Their assumption or their uh, their claim within that statement is that he was unaware of the gun in the backseat as the way I read it. Was that news to you or was that something you had uh, you had been told previously? I've learned that information over the last over the last day myself. Yes, Greg, can you walk us through the university decision making process for for a decision like this? Obviously, it's not a unilateral decision by you. I imagine it touches a lot of people at the University of Alabama. Can you give us some insight into how the decision to play Brandon Miller was made? So it was ongoing from from the get go when when the incident happened. Uh, it was conversation between myself. Nate Oates, conversation with myself and the president. We have legal counsel involved for the university. Uh, we have uh, uh, our, our, our different offices within the university that are at least aware of it. Uh, and, and, and so we had normal conversations like we do for other issues. And, uh, and that information was shared uh, collectively. And collectively, we decided that Brandon uh, was able to play. What is the policy regarding, and you know, the statement said that Brandon Miller doesn't own a handgun, had never handled a firearm before. Generally speaking, what is the policy for Alabama athletics about um, student athletes and possessing firearms? So uh, we do, we do uh, gun education, uh, weapon education with our student athletes like we do so many other educational formats with them. And uh, from a university policy, they're not allowed to have a gun on campus. Uh, there is uh, the ability for them to uh, uh, give their uh, store their their firearm on on safely on campus uh, through the policy that they're able to do that. Uh, but they, from a university policy, they're not allowed to have guns on campus. When when the news of the night of January 15th or the morning, I guess, of January 15th initially emerged, what was your knowledge level of Brandon Miller's involvement in that night, Greg? Uh, I knew from from the from the get go, uh, we knew that Brandon and Jaden were both at the scene and we knew that uh, they were cooperating um, and we were told early on that they were not suspects. That was the information that we had uh, fairly quickly after on that Sunday, uh, once once the um, process began. How would you describe the standard? Police said or in the hearing yesterday that there was nothing to charge Brandon Miller with and, and presumably same would apply to Jaden Bradley. But oftentimes decisions about participation don't necessarily rely on whether there have been charges filed. How did you evaluate that as opposed to a proper representation of the university and the ability to play and while this was swirling around him? Reese, are you just talking in the last 24 hours or from the beginning? I'm talking really from the beginning, but particularly in the last 24 hours. Yeah, from the beginning, uh, we tried to get the information that we could be provided. And, and without interfering at all in the investigation. 
Uh, we were told early on that uh, the uh, Brandon and Jaden were not that uh, uh, they were they were not suspects. Um, we were told early on that they were cooperating. We we uh, made sure that was our messaging to the team and to the staff that they should be uh, cooperating fully. And uh, we helped or, uh, organize and orchestrate any requests that law enforcement had in the process. Uh, and we'll continue to do that. Um, yesterday, when the news came out from the hearing, um, we obviously uh, learned of the text message that was discussed. And then from there, what we tried to do is make sure that we tried to get a, a full uh, understanding of the situation of that text message to the best of our abilities. And like what I just talked about a few minutes ago, um, you know, that, that Darius had been asking Brandon to come pick him up for close to an hour. Brandon was always on, already on his way to pick Darius up when he received the text message for him that was reported yesterday. But we also were able to get the context that that request for him to come get him had been going on. And Brandon had uh, had gotten, you know, hadn't just immediately responded to him. He was uh, he was on his way at that point when the text message discussed and was almost there when that came out. When, and Greg, along along those lines, did you follow up or did someone obviously the, the police had already talked to Brandon Miller? Did anyone with the university then follow up with questions to Brandon Miller about these texts uh, that came to light in the hearing yesterday? We've continued to be in uh, communication with his legal team uh, about any questions that we have. And that's, conti that's, that's continued in the last 24 hours. Have you engaged with police at all, Greg? I know you said earlier that you're not investigators, but have you, have you engaged with police at all to sort of fact check the narrative that uh, Brandon's legal team brought forward? Uh, our legal team has had had conversation, yes. What was the result of that? That we continue to be told that, you know, Brandon and Jaden were at the scene, that they were cooperating, and that they're not suspects. And that's what we know at this time. Has, has Brandon expressed some remorse for, you know, it may be unwittingly as he's claiming, but he was clearly part of a part of a tragedy just to, from from a human standpoint. I'm, I'm curious if, if you've gleaned any emotion from where his standpoint is, Greg. Yeah, I, I know Brandon. I like Brandon. Um, I've been around him quite a bit. Um, he is he is a uh, obviously this has been very tough on him um, and 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 his teammates. Uh, everybody, obviously. Uh, victim and, and and her family, um, so he certainly uh, has has had a, a a a lot of emotion through this, as you'd expect. Greg, you've been in this business a long time, and there was a flurry of attention yesterday, with the implication being that um, some have said that Brandon Miller is the most talented player Alabama's ever had in basketball, and this might be the best team they've ever had. As a, as a veteran administrator and someone who carries the reputation of the athletic department in the university by virtue of your title, how do you react? What is your response to that, that this is, that there is preferential treatment given because of the season that's going on and because of the, the level of ability of the player and players involved? Reese, I think that's a, that's a fair narrative that people can immediately go to. 
Um, and what I have tried to think about this entire time is let's, let's do what we think is right. Let's make sure we uh, are honest. Let's make sure that we cooperate, that we support uh, law enforcement and anybody else out there that needs to be supported through this. And, you know, you can, you can control what you can control. I can't control uh, whether somebody immediately goes to that as their, as their thought on this. What I felt is that Brandon needed to be treated fairly like any other student athlete what should be. Uh, that's here at the University of Alabama. And that's what's been driving us through that, whether it was whether it was him or whether it was a student athlete on any other team. What in your mind would change his status right now? Well, we have the information that we have today. And and obviously we're going to continue to cooperate with law enforcement and anybody else out there that that needs to be a part of this. And if if we gather new information down the road, then we'll then we'll deal with it at that time. Um, but I also, you know, I, you know, none of us have a crystal ball completely. We need to be very respectful of what law enforcement is doing through this process. And we have been and we will continue to be in the future. To call back uh, what you said earlier about Nate Oates's comments yesterday, which obviously amplified, um, you know, the information that came from, from, from the hearing. You're saying, Greg, he had no idea that that hearing had happened or any of the specific information that was revealed in the hearing had been said publicly. He knew the hearing was going on. He had not been briefed on what had been said at the hearing when he walked into it. So what normally happens is we have practice and then on on Tuesday or, or two days before the trip or home game, I think is the scenario. If I'm mis misspeaking there, it's not intentional. Um, he will meet with the media. This was his normal media gathering, and he had not been updated he, on his way into the press conference. And and so he um, he obviously didn't help himself through that. He and I have talked about it. We've addressed it. He's remorseful for that, and. Uh, and that's and we've dealt with it and we'll continue to, you know, I, I've actually been pleased up until that point about Nate's empathy through this and trying to manage a very challenging situation. And he didn't do a good job with it yesterday. But I also know that, you know, he wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but his comments didn't come across in the manner that they should have. I want to call back one more thing. And every citizen obviously has a right to representation even if they haven't been charged with anything. So I'm not criticizing uh, Brandon's decision to have representation in any way. But from your comments earlier, whenever this is the subject, is all communication between um, you or NATO's or anyone in the administration uh, going through Brandon's legal team? Any communication? No, because, you know, we're around Brandon. Uh, Nate's around him a, a lot more on a daily basis, right? Though. Yeah. Um, but when it, when it comes to things with the uh, with, with this case, we want to make sure that uh, that we're being transparent with with him and his legal representation. We think that's uh, something that's that's right for for him. Uh, that's right for any student. And you know, as as a parent, I would want the same thing for for my son. Um, and uh, that's that's the path that we've taken. Greg, we appreciate your time on this. I, I, I know that this is not the easiest situation here, and we appreciate you 
uh, coming on and discussing the decision that you and the University of Alabama have made regarding Brandon Miller. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You already know about the Low Post with Zach Lowe and the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst. But have you listened to the C.J. McCollum show? Every week, the New Orleans Pelican star C.J. McCollum discusses names and storylines in and around the NBA with an inside perspective that you can only get from someone who's on the floor. The C.J. McCollum show. Listen wherever you're enjoying this podcast. So once again, since it's the offseason and college football realignment starts peeking above the churning underneath and making its presence known. And the Pac-12, as Pete, you've worked very hard on a lot of these stories, we're awaiting to find out exactly what their media rights will be, who it will be with, and what it means for other programs. What, where do we stand in terms of Pac-12 viability long-term and who might be moving in or out of that league? Yeah, so I think it, like the moment is instructive here, Reese, to just step back and take a look at where the uh, at, at where the Pac-12 is. Their grant of rights are expiring after next year, and anytime a league's grant of rights are expiring and they need a new television deal, there can be moments of vulnerability and moments of uncertainty. And I and I think the Pac-12 is at that crossroads right now. Um, I don't think it's an overstatement to say. The size of this TV deal, where it's broadcast, and how it works is crucial to the future and survival of the Pac-12. Now, technically, every TV deal is crucial to the survival of every league. But in this moment, with USC and UCLA gone, and with the league trying to recalibrate itself and, and trying to hold together, the amount of money they receive, and those dollar amounts should be coming this week or in the upcoming weeks when they when they feel like these are our bidders and suitors and this is what our financial realities will be going forward is going to form whether the league really sticks together or whether there there's some weakness and some vulnerability and leagues in, in schools get wandering eyes to other leagues or leagues get aggressive in courting other schools so that i think is like the best way in the macro to say here's where the pac12 is we know that a handful of suitors are likely not going to be involved unless it's at a bargain price. And those are essentially Fox, CBS, NBC, um, 
And ESPN has shown interest in especially the late night package, um, you know, that 1030 window that that they, you know, Pac-12 after dark mm-hmm. it was made famous by. Amazon has had interest and, and has been linked, you know, publicly for a while as a suitor. And then the New York Post reported that Apple could end up being a uh, being a big player. And that, I guess, goes to the existential question of is if Apple streams all of your games are you comfortable as a school with the visibility and the reach as sort of America adjusts like much like they adjusted from traditional TV to cable 25 years ago as we're adjusting to streaming and the streaming environment from uh you know from linear television and cable so you know, there, it's there's a, a pretty fascinating moment. yeah it was a pretty fascinating article that I'm sure you read I believe it was in the athletic that this notion that we are transitioning fully to streaming has been debunked a little bit or at least put the brakes on the wild expectations of a few years ago simply because linear television or in this case linear meaning on cable Mm -hmm. uh, still continues to drive the boat in terms of the things that you're talking about reach um what fans want upsets them if they have to you know bounce around if it's too difficult to bounce to different platforms to try to Mm -hmm. follow games and because of that my sense of it is that i don't know maybe the day will come where it's easier to do that and then streaming does take over streaming will always or not always but now has become a really important part of this Mm -hmm. but if you're relying relying on it I feel like you almost have de facto relegated your league to a lower tier. And we and they're already that to some degree, I think, with uh, the exit of UCLA and USC. And if you add to that that you are just streaming and it is and it is more difficult for casual fans to sample your product, I think you're in a very precarious position. Is that fair? I think that's fair. And I think how the Big Ten deal came together is instructive of that, Reese. Um, They obviously have their A package, uh, A plus package, you could really call it with Fox, who's going to carry their big games. And then there's sort of co-B packages that are with CBS and that are with NBC. Amazon was heavily in the bidding for those packages. And I've been told they bid more money than those other uh, than those other shooters for those packages. But when the when the rubber hit the road, the Big Ten presidents said, you know what, we'd rather just keep it simple and make it available to, uh, to to folks. And when there was rumblings three months ago or so of maybe another addition to the Big Ten, and Kevin Warren was very vocal about this, he was pushing hard for it, there was pushback within the league because some of the, the the bigger powers, and you can you can judge who they are by stadium size, basically, your Penn State's, mm-hmm. Ohio State's, and Michigan's, didn't have the appetite to go, you know, to to have some of their games on streaming. And some of that is uh, the veteran administrators at those schools lived through the headaches of, I can't get my game on BTN. I don't have access to BTN. There was the whole bullying the cable company to pick up and uh, to to have the, 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 the network online. There was a famous Ohio State, Youngstown State game that wasn't available and everybody went up in arms. And that was kind of a, a paradigm shift. There was no, no one will tell you the early years of conference TV networks, especially the Big Ten Network, as it got launched, were easy because of that. And I feel like there's some transfer of experience to now. Do you want 
the, you know, the older generation, I think of my parents and their struggles when there's something has to be streamed, right? Like it's, you know, it, walking them through that is, uh, is some complicated calculus. So do you want your fans in Altoona, Zanesville and Saginaw bombing your athletic department? How do I get this? I can't watch. I watched Michigan, Michigan state, blah, 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 fill in the blank for all these years. Now I can't watch them. How do I do it? Like there is an adjustment period that's difficult. So do you take, you know, there, there was a notion of let's take a little less money and alleviate that headache for yeah. uh, for that. I'm sampling a streaming service for a number of reasons, but I still have cable. Super Bowl streaming service looks fantastic. You know, no issues until second half, only for a split second. I got I got the wheel. I got the wheel for a second. Mm-hmm. And I was out and right back and right back to cable, which is not actually is not wired cable right now, but still you don't have that. Um, so that that's an issue, too. I mean, because it doesn't take long if you're watching a game to really get mad if, uh, <laughs> you know, and there's also, uh, you know, and I le- learned this in the article. I knew, knew it was a little bit of a delay. But apparently to some fans, because they follow along with everything on social media and on the gambling web- websites, that any delay is infuriating. You know, now to me, I'm not watching a game that way when I have it on, I have it on. And then uh, the Apple TV box, if you're in the ESPN app, will let you watch multiple games at once, mm-hmm. which if I'm if I'm home, I enjoy that as well. Sure. So so i'm not i'm not sitting there thinking every second because somebody posted something on twitter i haven't seen yet i'm not watching twitter in that moment you know mm-hmm. so but there are a lot of there are a lot of drawbacks to it i think that that can be fixed i'm sure sure but but are still issues at the moment as we as we speak about this mm-hmm. so you know to shift back to the Pac-12 a little bit in 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 what their uh, and what their future was from making a whole round of calls last week, Reese. My impression's this: like if I had to guess what unfolds in the in the upcoming weeks and months, it's that some sort of short-term five-year truce slash bandage slash sort of bridge deal gets passed, and then. The Pac-12 tries to push, tries to gather some momentum, and they should have a heck of a football season next year, right? Um, they try to gather some momentum and push off from that, and uh, and 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 stay together. That would be, if you had to percentage it out, the most likely outcome. They they end up with a with a, with a modest TV contract, and uh, and and just kind of go. Now, where this gets interesting is, especially with who the bidders are and what what service they're on is does the big 12 become more attractive now we don't know what the uh we don't know what the money uh is going to uh is is going to be yet but do you say okay you can you can come over here and your fans you know colorado arizona you can you can come your fans can see you on networks and platforms where they're familiar seeing you um does that become a huge you know, stump case if uh, if those corner schools are going to be tempted to uh, tempted to go over. So it is it is sort of an interesting crossroads of technology combined with the fact, um, and I know this just from looking at my stock portfolio that 
tech stocks are just in the tank right now. Amazon is mm-hmm. in the tank. You know, Disney is not in its greatest moment. Our our bosses, I'm, I'm certainly I'm certainly not uh, in those meetings, but you know, we we obviously had a, a CEO transition, and uh, you know, the, the 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 Disney company is in a moment of austerity right now. But you can go all the way through to to, to Google, to Apple, to to different places. There's you know the technology in the markets work in ebbs and flows and right now is uh, you know is is clearly an ebb so it's a bad moment for the Pac12 to be seeking a gangbusters deal because there just isn't much money on the table as there is in boom times and if those schools you mentioned the corner schools leave then that really ramps up the the desire which i think is already there for Oregon and Washington to find an exit strategy and if so then you have four major leagues and you've and and a separation between two of them separation between the sec and the big 10 and then the big 12 and the acc with the acc still sitting in a vulnerable position in many respects and the pac-12 will be more akin uh like a souped up mountain west shall we say and, yeah. and i don't mean yeah i don't mean that to be insulting toward the mountain west which sure. has had some great teams and good football and everything but in terms of uh, in terms of national brands mm-hmm. and that type of thing, that's where the Pac-12 will be left if you have those types of exits. Which which brings me to another aspect of this. In addition to it, Pete, I'm going to Gonzaga this mm-hmm. weekend, and there sure. has been uh, you know there's been talking. I think fans who are you know are, are basketball fans beyond just being Gonzaga fans would like the idea of Gonzaga being in the Pac-12 or Big 12, assuming the Pac-12 has big marquee schools, so they could see them play, see them play in, you know, if it were the Big 12 at Allen Fieldhouse, to see them, uh, you know, play in Gallagher-Iba and play Oklahoma State or whatever. But the there are a couple of questions about this to me. Number one is how attractive is Gonzaga since there's no such thing as Gonzaga football since the late 1800s, or early 1900s, I think. So there's no football. Did so Corso valuable, coach against them? Yeah, maybe. So how valuable is the package? And also, because of – I did – after you and I had spoken earlier, I did a little homework uh, on Gonzaga's deal. And what they have with the West Coast Conference right now, as far as the units that are paid for how well you perform in the NCAA tournament, they split the first one, or the mm-hmm. teams, as I understand this, uh, based on my reading, they split the first one, all the West Coast Conference schools split the first one as they do all of them in most leagues. But then beyond that, what you get, you keep. And, and because of, yeah, and so because of that, Gonzaga uh, is in a better situation than uh, than most of the quote unquote. They're not a mid-major in basketball, but in, in a mid-major league. So my my question is, Number one, you—they've got to—it's not just about figuring out the games and them having great matchups. It's about—is this really a financial boon for us? Because they are—we use it—we overuse this term, but they are the unicorn. I've never seen anything like this. A quarter century ago, they were talking about closing the doors to the university, and mm-hmm. now they're a major basketball brand uh, along mm-hmm. the lines of a Villanova. You know, mm-hmm. I would say even though Villanova's won two, you know, Gonzaga's played for a couple of national championships, they might be the rare out- outlier that doesn't have to do this. 
you know, mm-hmm. the the way a lot of the other major brand programs, almost for financial survival, has to do it. They've established um, they've established a program, a system, an attractive style of play, a name coach, a destination place for high profile recruits. They have money. They've got a favorable deal with their conference. And I'm not saying they wouldn't make more. They probably would. But the question is, how attractive are they to, say, the Big 12 or the Pac-12 as a basketball-only member? And what would it take for them to actually lose some of the autonomy that they have uh, that would probably go along with joining one of those leagues? A good question. So I'm going to give people some unit math here very quickly, because you mentioned units before, and I don't think people understand when we start talking about value, what that is. So I did some, uh, I I write about this pretty much every year in, in, in some way, shape or form. So a unit, when you win your conference tournament and you get in the NCAA tournament, or you get in as an at-large, you essentially deliver a unit. And in nearly every league, that unit is then all the units are basically brought in. So the ACC, I think they had 14 wins in the NCAA tournament last year. They would get, I believe, 14 units, but you may also get them for the entry point too. So it may be more. Yeah. Now I'm a, a, yeah. a little, yeah, I might be a little bit off on that, but you also don't get units after the final four. Um, like you don't get a unit for winning the title. Or, yeah, yeah that just, kind of just getting there. If you advance there, and basically, a unit is worth a certain amount of money, has to be determined by the other uh, revenue project or not projections, but once they parse out all the revenue yeah. and expenses. So let's take one of Gonzaga's teams. They've had two teams reach the final in the last handful of years, right? Two since nineteen. Is that right? Uh, they were there seventeen and uh, and uh, twenty one. Seventeen and twenty one. So those. Let's just say that is a five unit venture, something like that. And they've been, you know, they've, they've consistently gone to the sweet 16 as much as anybody, which would be three mm-hmm. units. So um, they're five, you get $2 million per unit, but it's paid out over six years. So those title trips, you could, let's just say back in the African map, units are worth a little different from 17 to now, et cetera. But let's just say those are $10 million um, gets. They only have to share a very small portion of that. So for a basketball school, a $10 million check over a six-year span is a huge amount of money. And then, obviously, if they made the Sweet 16 the year after that, they'd have a $5 million check coming mm-hmm. to them or, or you know, $4 million, somewhere, somewhere smaller than that. So that's a, that's, that's a lot of income. And then not sharing it was a very wise move by uh, the, the forefathers of Gonzaga who, who thought about that. If you go to the Big 12, depending on what kind of deal you strike, you're not getting football money. So let's be very clear about that. They would not get a 30 anywhere in the neighborhood of a $31.7 million annual income. And the math I've always been told is that football are 85% of these deals. Maybe in the ACC, mm-hmm. basketball is a little higher. Maybe in some other leagues, it's not. Big 12 obviously has great, great basketball. But the value of football just dwarfs basketball. It's it's not even close. It's been one of the biggest market force changes in the landscape in college athletics in the, in, the, in the last 20 years, the amount of TV money dedicated to football over basketball. So what realistically 
could the Big 12 pay Gonzaga? That's that's sort of the fundamental tension to that courtship. And I don't think we'll see any results on that courtship until the Pac-12 figures itself out and the corner schools decide where they want to go. But what could they pay them? And would that be equitable? But also, what's the brand value of Kansas comes to the kennel and it's on game day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's some, there's some pretty, you know, that's a lot different than St. Mary's coming to the kennel and yep. the junkies are watching at 11 at night Eastern, right? Like the last call mm-hmm. crowd, like it's a totally different paradigm you're in because now instead of playing three, four out of conference games that are marquee every year, and maybe one in conference game, you're playing two, three marquee out of conference games and what, seven or eight. Pretty high end. You got a couple Baylor's, a couple Kansas's. I mean, those are, you know, those are some real, there's some real value and some TV value that comes with that. Now, but how does that actually translate to a contract? I don't think they would be able to pay them $10 million a year to come because that would essentially make the other schools give up a million dollars a year. And they, that is that, is that value realized by having Gonzaga? And it's a it's it's sort of a tricky math equation, and it's it's something that's been spoken about a lot as these sides have, if these as these sides have met since they first formally met back in November before a, a charity scrimmage when uh, Gonzaga was down in the uh, in the in the Dallas area. I think they're playing Tennessee, um, if if I if I remember uh, if I remember right. But the you know, th- that those equations have to work out. It sort of hits on a lot of themes that we've been talking about with realignment. What's the value of basketball? What can they bring? H- how does that, you know, how does that work? Is is basketball undervalued in 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 where we are right now in TV contracts? And can the Big 12 by, you know, Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball right now. I don't think it's a debate. I, I'm sure you guys That's have talked correct. about it on yeah. game day a bunch, right? I, mm-hmm. I don't think it's close. Yes. Um, right. Then, if the corner schools come, could you have Arizona and then add Gonzaga, and then you're squeezing like the West Coast pretty hard too? Um, mm-hmm. And you're saying, hey, you can go to USC or UCLA and play, you know, play in state college, or you can own this, you know, quadrant of the country. So, anyway, that was yeah. a little bit of a, a rambling answer, and I apologize for the bad math. I'm sure some persnickety NCAA unit expert is going to uh, <laughs> is going to call Craig, but I just want to give people a general idea of of the deal they had as as your research showed Reese and what what some of those bottom line financial realities are. And I want to offer the disclaimer too. I'm not I'm not saying for certain because the what I probably overused overstated with your word research. I did some I did some searches. I read a bunch of articles. I, I I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know or don't know whether that's going to be amended or whether they get every unit or if there's some other math it just appears they have a favorable thing that allows them to oh, keep yeah. more of what they earn what what the mm-hmm. exact how that's exactly parsed out i'm not going to pretend to be the expert on that or have that definitively uh, marked down i just wanted to use that as an example to my belief that while it would be cool uh, for them to play in a conference like that i think they have the model and the wherewithal and uh, the backing and the ability because of their attractiveness in playing non-conference games in the early part of the season, I I don't think they have to. Now, they might want to. It might be better uh, as they look 20 years down the road to have a little more security if you can have that in college sports. But I think they can survive without it. Um, I, I really do. I don't think they're in a position. 
And I don't think it's an existential crisis for Gonzaga basketball sure. to get into the, the Big 12 or the Pac-12. Yeah. I think that's a good distinction you made. They don't need to do this, right? Like yeah. they're not they're they're not sitting around and saying this is key to our survival and we have mm-hmm. to do this um in order to survive and be competitive. But I do think, you know, when you take a look at Mark Few and how competitive he is, Reese, and you take mm-hmm. a look at the uh, you know, just the collective ego over what he's built. Now I'm not saying he has a big ego, but there's a pride in what you've built. And you can say, okay. For the final five, seven years of my career, I can take this juggernaut that myself and many, many others and many great players have built, and I can say, let's go try it at the highest levels of our sport. And if we can build the types of programs we've had that have been in the final four and in the national title game and competitive for the national title, if we can build it again to that level and build those kinds of teams, will we be better prepared? Once the NCAA tournament comes to make long runs because we've slugged it out in Lubbock and we've gotten beat in Lawrence and, you know, like going to Oklahoma State's no picnic. We've traveled to West Virginia. Are, are, are you calloused enough? Have you built the scars to survive six games over three weeks and win? And do you learn a lot more and develop a lot more? It's it's an interesting fundamental question, I, I think, that, um, you know, is being asked up there right now. But we talk about all of those big games. And meanwhile, UCF is sitting there saying, what do you mean I'm playing in Ames on Saturday night in Spokane on Big Monday? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's real. Yeah. And and, and soccer, too? Really? You know, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So there, there will be. There will be some drawbacks. And the other thing, one last thing on this, because we've probably, and this is my fault, we've probably dwelled on Gonzaga a little bit longer, but it's on my mind since we're headed sure. there. The one thing that it might help them is if there comes a day in the future where the big schools, quote unquote, break away, they do their own tournament, they run their own football, you know, they they do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Now, then that might qualify as an existential crisis. And then you might you you might be better served being affiliated with uh, with one of the with one of the leagues that will be left standing. Yeah, so, do you beat the posse, yeah. basically? Yeah, basically. basically. Is it a governmental so. posse? Is it a legislative posse? Is it a legal? I don't know who's running it with five different leagues and varied TV contracts and lengths and uh, different NIL laws and potential labor uh, intrusion, because there's certainly plenty of things on the table that could be disruptors to the environment. But is it like, hey, let's get on the safe side? It would be would sort of be the administrative thought. You want to talk about some fun stuff? So, I mean, some really fun stuff. I would like to. I think we've it. had a heavy pod. I, I don't. I yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, we try to avoid this, but I mean, sometimes, obviously, the circumstances, yeah, the moment, sure. especially in college basketball, mm-hmm. uh, dictate that. But I was in Blacksburg, Virginia, for Miami and Virginia Tech Hurricanes. Um, at by the end of that game, had the longest winning streak among power conference teams, but that wasn't the headline. There was a young lady who stepped to half court and made a half court shot, uh, won, won herself $1,000. But that mm-hmm. wasn't the headline. Pete, the Hokies lost, and still Hokie Nation had a reason to go home happy because everybody in Castle Coliseum went home with free bacon. 
How does that work logistically, Reese? I heard your call, and I, I, and I implore our uh, intrepid producer Taylor to uh, to to put that call in right now because it it was iconic. The crowd's going nuts. Here's why: if he misses the second one, everybody in this house gets free bacon. Six and one all time when the fans win bacon. <laughs> I, I saw one media commenter, uh, Jimmy Trana from uh, uh, SI, say that it could reverberate with "Do you believe in miracles?" <laughs> I, I I can't tell you not much in the number of years that I've been in this. Uh, not much surprises me anymore. The fact that that got any traction whatsoever last night surprised me a little bit. I mean, I was driving, I was driving back to Charlotte uh, after the game to catch a flight from there. And I pull off to get something to drink. And I looked down and SVP had texted me and he just, he just texted me like a bacon emoji. And I, I mean, you know, and I, I had a lot of messages and stuff. Look, it was a game on ESPNU. It was, you know, we were kind of having, having some fun with it. And it was something that they had brought up beforehand to remind us you know if a if an opposing player in the second half misses consecutive free throws then uh the bacon people i think it's smithfield or somebody they give away free bacon and so i i was intrigued by this immediately i said what you mean like right then like people run around <laughs> in the stands and hand up and they're like no they give you a coupon which is not as good as having people run around in the stands and hand you like freshly fried bacon but that'd be hard the, like, it, it probably would be probably, probably <laughs> a logistical challenge and you have to have the bacon prepared. So there are a lot of, and suddenly I've wandered into a whole Mike Leach thing on bacon, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, um, which ACC mascot would like the bacon the most? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But the, the rise in, and they told me, they said, look, if somebody misses the first free throw, first of two, it'll get nuts in here. And they weren't lying. It was hilarious because as soon as Jordan Miller, who typically is a really good free throw shooter, missed the first one, I mean, there was a rise in the crowd. Like they were about <laughs> to win the game and they're like, great. And when he missed the second one, I mean, it blew the roof off the place. And it was, uh, it was, it was crazy and uh, it was kind of absurd, but it was really fun too. So uh, there's a bar in Madison called Wando's, which I believe is somehow tied to the start of Jump Around. Remember, Jen Latta did that mm -hmm. great story for us mm -hmm. in game this year. So Wando's is sort of your one of your quintessential Madison bars. I don't claim to know them like I went to school there, but I've been to Madison enough over the years to know that. And I believe on Mondays they have free bacon night. So you can just go in, order a spotted cow and munch on as much bacon as your little heart desires, which probably ties to the size and effectiveness of their offensive lines all these years. <laughs> but what a, what a great way to spend a Monday night. Oh, I mean, I mean, can yeah. you imagine you have the yeah. game on and the bacon yeah. just keeps coming? I mean, is it unlimited bacon? Is it believe, all you can I, eat? I believe it is. I believe, I mean, if you're going to give something away for free, you can't be like, you get three free slices, right? Like I've, but again, can you can you have three pounds of it? I'm not uh, I'm I'm not sure. Was, well, you probably shouldn't, but you probably yeah. could. Yeah. You know? So we know your thoughts on bacon, Reese. Your your color commentator, play by play partner, uh, Debbie Antonelli. Was she as excited about the bacon as you were? 
she she was not um <laughs> i think she i think she was somewhat bemused by my reaction to the bacon <laughs> to be honest i like i like bacon i actually think it's kind of just uh more so bacon is kind of a funnier word to say and when you think of it, it there's this odd visual to bacon it's tasty but mm. i'm not saying it's my absolute favorite food ever it can make a lot of things a lot better and it made a hokey's loss better last night if if nothing else and the smell of bacon is one of life's uh pure and simple pleasures i would say yes yes it uh, did seem like your bacon excitement level and debbie the consummate professional who's an excellent uh color what are you saying uh, about me uh, pete color analyst i just think you got a little distracted by the bacon and she stayed on point it was like a six-point game those are actually big free throws that were missed <laughs> You leaned into the moment, and she was worried if they were going to switch to zone. <laughs> you got to capture the moment, man. You know, I mean, it's a, you know, I mean, there are, there's a lot of inventory, Pete, in college basketball. There's a lot of inventory, and if somebody wins bacon, or if I think her name was what was her name, maybe Olivia. I didn't get her last name, but if she hits a half court shot and wins a grand, that's great. Yeah. When game day was at Auburn this year, there was mm -hmm. a dude. Uh, during the game, one of those uh, timeout contests, he made a 94-foot put, putt over over the court, which you know is not it's not exactly true rolling uh, Augusta yeah. National Greens. Yeah, he made a 94-foot putt that went into a hole that was like basically the size of one of those little cartoon mouse doors. It was it was like, you know, when you go to the carnival and shoot the basketball yes. and the rim's about half the size, that's mm -hmm. what the hole was. The guy made it from, from the length of the floor and won a car. You got to lean into those moments, man. You got to, yeah. you've got to enjoy right. that. You know, that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's fair. That's, that's very, uh, that's very fair. I just appreciated the dichotomy. That's all. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was there was a um, an odd food night because Mike Young, the Virginia Tech coach, um, every every before every game comes out, sits on the bench like an hour and a half before the game, something like that. He told me exactly when. I think he goes back in with an hour left or something. Goes out, sits on the bench, has a diet coke and a box of popcorn. He gets pop, he gets popcorn everywhere. So I I immediately asked him, well, where's the best popcorn? And sure. He said, well, of course, he said his home court. But then after that, he yeah. quickly added something that perhaps you should look into. Okay, he said Boston College. Really? Yeah, Boston College had the next best popcorn, the wow. Castle. I'm going tonight because they play Virginia. We're taping this Wednesday afternoon, and uh, have popcorn. Yeah. Have I will. Popcorn I will go to Connie to Forum. Kid. I will. Uh, I will let uh, Mike LaPrey, the intrepid SID there, know. It'll probably end up in their game notes the next time they play the Hokies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. It probably will. And funny that the popcorn came up because Seth Greenberg and I and Alan Fieldhouse last week, we were walking back. And I don't know if it's because the building's old and the popcorn grease and stuff is soaked in there and it just smells different and better. I, I got, I went and bought us for everybody in the office that wanted it. I bought the most... I went and I said, what's the largest vat of popcorn that you will sell me? And they sold it to me and I carried it down the hall and we have popcorn because it smelled delicious. There's Is nothing the quite like the smell of popcorn in an old, an old gym. Amen to that. Was it the yeah. same office we used for game day football? Uh, no, this okay. one, I uh, know. I don't think so. Um, it was, this was connected. It's in the, um, on the opposite side, close to the 
close to the weight room and stuff, but in that area over there, there's a big volleyball court over there and open area and it's kind of still connected to Allen field house there. Yeah. So, okay. So on the other yeah. side, it was good. So try the popcorn. Content I will. Forum I'll, uh, I'll send a, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll report back next week. I, this, huh? uh, that's good. Uh, I'll let, I'll let my bosses know. I'm going to, I'm going to write it off. <laughs> get, get the, get the big, let, let Teddy have some popcorn too. Can he have popcorn yet? Young Teddy? Quite, quite yet. He, he's, he's chewing. He'll, he loves avocados, uh, avocado toast. Uh, yeah. He has some like broccoli bite situations that are shaped like dinosaurs that he likes. And he loves meatballs. So Kate's family is Italian. They've, he's been groomed for big meatball eating and he's still profiles size wise. Like he'll be a left guard. So the meatballs a nice fit. Next up after meatballs would be bacon and popcorn. Okay. We'll get him on it. I, food group. I don't, food I don't think he's going to be uh anti-bacon or popcorn. That's just my guess. <laughs> well, he's a, he's a good young man then. Um, Pete, always, uh, always great to do this. I know we had some really serious, heavy topics in this and some business sense as well. We thank you for listening to the College Game Day podcast. Download this wherever you prefer to get your podcasts.